Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series entitled Imitate, a study on the book of 1 Thessalonians. For more information about CBC or how to get plugged in, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. A treasure which a man finds and in his joy... He sells all that he has to obtain the field that has that treasure. And that's the treasure we have in Christ. So let's pray and worship uh, through prayer and then through the word. Lord Jesus, you are our treasure. We acknowledge that sometimes we don't see that. We acknowledge that sometimes we don't see the unfailing love that you have and that we don't feel it. And maybe we don't believe in your unchanging nature sometimes. Um, We come back together weekly to encourage one another, to build each other up, to kind of refresh and realign and, and, and get our trajectory of life and, and worship right. And so I pray that this will be that time. And Lord, in, in a big issue, in a big topic that is constantly in our face. So Lord, I just ask like in the first service, I, just be, let me be clear. I know I'm not, per- this is so big of this material and it's so vast and I am so, just not capable. And I just need you to be clear through me that that even though if I say something dumb, that your spirit would just illumine truth, uh, that I would get out of the way in essence so that truth can be proclaimed so that your church can be built uh, upon you, Lord Jesus, and and that we would glorify you even in the the area of our sexuality. Um, So just pray these things in Christ's name, amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Again, if you came late, is my thing on? Again, if you were late and you missed the announcements, again, if you're new, this week's sermon, just a little bit uh, more adult kind of topic. And so if you're like, I still got my four-year-old in here right now, um, I just, we just want you to let you know that up front because um, we don't want to be the ones who expose your children to things that you don't feel like they're ready. So just a heads up, just in case you missed it. But most of you know, you saw the, the announcements, you heard me last week. Um, so let's jump in. When I was in sixth grade, I went to a Christian school at that point in my life, and, and the class I was in was going through this book called Preparing for Adolescence by James Dobson. And all the boys, which for the most part were prepubescent at the point, uh, were ready to get to page 88. Because at page 88 was when it all got good, right? I was like, that was the sex ed part. So all these boys thinking they're all that, yeah, we can't wait to see the girls at page, and the girls just rolling their eyes because they're like, you know, mature and like, you guys are disgusting. And, and we're like, yeah, it's gonna be so funny. And we're all giggling in the corner, reading page 88 over and over and over and over. And, and finally the day comes and it's like all those boys that were so excited and talking and talking and talking, they were like silent. No one's talking. They're like trying to get under their desks because it's just so weird as this prepubescent boy and these girls all in the same, it's just awkward at that age. And the reality is this, sometimes when we get the topic of sex, sexuality, it is awkward. We, we kind of turn into sixth graders. We either say, shh, shh we, we don't talk about that in the church because this is a holy place. It's holy. And we can't talk about such unholy things in the church. So, so we don't talk about it. Or the only thing we say about it is no. <laughs> bad. No, 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 no. Bad, bad, bad. No. And that's all we say. And the problem is this is the one place besides the home that we should be talking about this because sexuality and spirituality go hand in hand. They do. One of the first things scripture teaches is that God created them in the image of God, in the image of God, he created them male and female. That's that's sexual. That's sexuality right up front, male, female. And so right up front, he he highlights that, that there's something going on here in the scripture. And the problem with the church is we've ignored this so long shh, no, 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 hush, 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 can't talk about that, that the world has spoken now. And then we're looking at the world like, no, 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 that's broke, that's fit, don't listen to that. But we have no voice. And a voice left because we were silent for so long. So it's time for us to get our voice back um, and, and start understanding what is, what scripture teaches. Um, and so I'm, we're not trying to get, you know, reactionary today. I'm not trying to get us back to 1955 values. What we're trying to do is a church who believes the Bible, that believes the scripture is from God, that is true in every word. We're just going to look at what God has to say about this. All right, very clear. Um, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm not, oh, let's get radical and let's run some old people off that don't want to. I mean, that's not what we're doing. 
All right, we're not trying to be hipsters and, oh, let's just talk about sex to be edgy. We talk about it because scripture talks about it. And I'm not gonna be crazy. I, I don't think I'm gonna be crazy. I mean, first service, I didn't get crazy. So I don't think I'm gonna get crazy here. But it's a discipleship issue. And what we want is for you to walk out, whether you're a single, whether you're a teenager, whether you're married, whether you're a grandparent, that you, can, that you have four or five kind of big ideas in your mind about this topic so that you can go back to it at some point. So that you can say, this is what scripture says about dating. This is what scripture says about but sexuality. Okay, so we're gonna talk about it. I'm gonna use the word sex. If you have a problem with that, I mean, I don't know what you want me to do about it, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna use it. I mean, I can say intimacy. I can say relations, but I'm just gonna say sex. Okay, so... Um, here's two big goals I have for you guys today. Number one goal, besides not getting fired, because I don't want to get fired. I get off the cuff a little bit sometimes, and you, some of you egg me on, and that's going to get me fired one day, just so you know. The further away I move from the pulpit, the more edgy it is, just in case you're wondering. So keep me here, Lord. Keep me straight. Um, the goal number one is I want to be clear. I, there's a lot of fogginess in this issue, especially among the young folks. Some of the older folks, but some of the young folks. So I want you to walk out of here and you may not agree with what I have to say and that is fine. But I want you to be clear that you know what the scripture says. All right, just clarity. So we're gonna clear up some, some fogginess, right? That, that, uh, that some of you may have. And number two, I want there to be some redemption. And that part of that comes through the, through the clarity. But here's, here's, the, here's the sad thing for some of us. We talk, I say the word sex and you immediately go negative you immediately go to guilt or shame or fear. And, and, and beloved, that's not the way the scripture is meant for you to feel. That's not the way God wants you to feel. That you would immediately go to failure, right? And, and that's because the enemy wants you to live in shame and he wants to live, you to live in guilt and he wants you to live in confusion, and, and he wants this to be a negative thing. This is why the church would, no, 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 no. Right? And so I want to redeem that a little. I want to kill that lie where the enemy has been telling some of you, you are, you are junk, you are unworthy, you can't sing, you can't worship, look at your life, you're a wreck. So we're going to try to redeem some of that as well. All right? And just a couple of real quick kind of side things, just so you know. Number one, look, this is going to be an up, we're swimming upstream here. Just going to tell you right up front. Some of these things are super counterculture. If, you, if you're not a Christian, we're just glad you're here. So you're, but you're going to hear things that, that are rooted in Scripture that are not what you're seeing on TV, and that's okay. And if you have questions, we're here to ask you. And if you're searching, that's great. We're just going to say, we believe that Jesus has something to say about this. And so we're going to go with him. But this is going to be very counterculture for some of you guys. Number two, understand that you, wherever you're at, are not alone in this church. Because this church is filled with People who had sex before marriage, people who are addicted to porn, people who have same-sex attraction, people who have had abortions, people who have been you know, divorced several times, whatever it is. This church is filled with that. You're thinking, well, I need to find me a new church. <laughs> Maybe. Because I'm telling you, Jesus came not for the ones who are well, but for those who are sick. So if you have a problem with sick people, get your sick tail. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is the place where redemption happens. God heals broken people. And understand, you're not alone. And the worst thing you can do is stay alone and stay in isolation. Um, and so we're going to work through that a little. And then the third thing is this. I understand that this is a huge topic. I promise you, I cannot cover everything. I promise you. And there's all sorts of contingencies and all sorts of what about my situation. I get it. I'm going to be 50,000 feet here. But if you have questions, if you have issues, call William. <laughs> There's his email. <laughs> w. Kane at CBC Savannah. And, his, and his, it's on the web too. So you got problems? Call William. All right. You got, you got something you're mad about? Call William. Uh, in all seriousness, we're here as a staff and elders. And if there's a struggle that you have and you want someone to pray with you or you, you, you want to get set up counseling, I'm gonna put, there's some pastors that are going to be in the back hall behind this, you know, out these doors after the service if you just want to talk. We can just get you on the docket to kind of come in and start talking and we can start moving in and just, the worst thing you can do is stay isolated. I'm just telling you, that's where, that's where Satan wants you. Isolated, guilty, shame, hiding. We need to expose this thing with some light and that's where healing takes place, okay? So those are just some things. 
Let's get some clarity. Let's get some redemption. Let me read our text of scripture. First Thessalonians, and I don't have time to go back and tell you what it's all about. Go listen on the podcast because we've been going through this book. But chapter four, we're gonna cover one through eight today. Hear me read it. Finally, then brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. All right, first point of clarity, and it's, and it's very simple and I'll just cover it for a second, is this, you need to recognize wherever you're at that this is an issue of authority, period. Who's in charge? That's the question, okay? So what Paul says in, in, in verses one through three, he says, finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord that as you receive from us, he says, this is what we talked about. We were only there for a short time, but we covered this whole sexual immorality thing because you're looking up at Mount Olympus and you got all these, these false gods and you need Artemis and, and Dionysus and with all these party gods and there's immorality everywhere. So we told you all about this. And this is how you circle the word, if you're a circler, ought to walk. It's this Greek word day, which means must. It is necessary. He says, this is how you ought to. This is how you must. This is not if I think about it, if I want to. It, it, is, it is a necessary thing. This is how you live your life, especially in this area. He says, this are the, you remember what instructions, it's, it's a word that's used in the context of a military order where they gave orders. They gave, you go do this. He says, this is what we told you to do. This is what we told you God says to do. Then verse three, this is the will of God. All right, who has the authority to give orders? Who has the authority to talk about commands? What Paul would say and what we would say as a church is that Jesus does, all right? And so he says that. He says, brothers, we ask you in the Lord Jesus. And then at the end, this is the instructions we gave you in the Lord Jesus. This is an authority issue, plain and simple. And what we would say is this, that Jesus has double authority over you. Number one reason, because he made you. Right? He's the designer, he's the creator. The, the, the sexual drive that you have, the passion, the attraction, that is all from him. He put that there. So he gets, he gets one point of authority. He also has the, the authority over you because he, if you're a Christian, bought you with a price. He, he gave his life for you. He freed you from slavery and he gave you new life so that he is the redeemer and that he is the creator. He is twice your Lord, right? And so now you're accountable to him. So what Paul says elsewhere is, you have been bought with a price, so glorify God with your what? Weak. Glorify God with your what? Body, right? That's a little bit. First service did the same thing. It's like, we don't know, okay? They're like, quiet. Don't you remember? Three words. What are our three words from a couple weeks ago? Amen, hallelujah, selah. You're allowed to talk. Just don't talk to each other. Talk to me, all right? But we glorify God with our body. And this is a problem because you're an American, so you've been taught that you have certain unalienable rights, the pursuit of what? Happiness. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, which in America means I can do anything I want as long as I don't hurt anybody. And so I can do anything with my body that I want because it's my body. And what the Christian says or has to say, if they're honest with scripture, is no, I have been bought with a price. I have to glorify God with my body. So right up front, if you don't settle this in your heart now, then, then the rest of the sermon means nothing. Who's in charge? God or you? And you got to answer that. I can't answer for you. But I can tell you this. If you blow this off, what does Paul say at the end? Whoever disregards this, disregards not man. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you say, Bill, you're an idiot. Well, you will, but I mean, don't say that unless you really am. But, 
But you're not, you're, not, you're not rejecting me. I'm just the guy that's reading the text and telling you what it says. He says, you're, you're rejecting God, the creator, the rescuer, the redeemer, the one who gives you the Holy Spirit. So it's an authority issue. Got to settle it up. Are we clear on that? Is there some clarity there? All right, whatever we do next, it's clear. Okay, got to see some nods. Some of you are awake, good. Here's the second point. A little bit provocative, but I'll explain it. Sex is good and sex is holy. It is a good thing and it is a holy thing. And here's why I go there. Because if you grew up in the church, and half of you did and half of you will never have, so this is all you know, but half of you, all you ever heard about sex was no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's like a sprinkler. No, 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 no. Right? That's all you know. Or shh, don't talk about it. And I, I, I think that that's wrong. Right? There is a way to live out your sexuality that is not only pleasing and glorifying and, and it is honoring to God. So what does he say again in verse one? He says, we ask and urge you in the Lord that as you receive how to walk and you please God. There is a way to please God. Now, and, and here, please hear me. I'm not saying that you can earn your salvation. There is nothing you do to earn God's favor. You cannot be a good person. You cannot go to church. You cannot get baptized. You give all your money. Those things do not give you God's favor. You cannot make him love you more or less depending on what you do. But there is a way as a Christian in which your life is either pleasing to God or it is not pleasing to God. There is a way to live sexually that is pleasing to God and that is not pleasing to God. And the church always goes to the negative. But I, don't, I, I wanna go to the positive, right? I wanna go to the honoring because it's not just enough to say, no, 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 no. We gotta know what. The yes, 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 yes is. And whatever it is, this church is doing it, by the way, because he says, you know what instructions we gave you. You're doing it more and more. So they're in a good place. But he says, I want this, I want you to grow more. Just like when we see next week, he's gonna say, you're loving people, but I want you to love more. All right, and so here, here, let's talk briefly about the good side. He says, this is the will of God. Your sanctification, all right? That, that, you hear, some of you hear, this is the will of God. And, and if you're a young person, what you think is, who am I going to marry? Should I go to grad school? Should I move to Alaska? Um, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? Blah, 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 blah. And, and we've treat the will of God as some secret blueprint that he's hiding from you because he doesn't really want you to know his will because then you would actually know what to do and you'd be happy. And he, certainly God would never want me to do that. He always wants to leave me in the, in the lurch. Right? And, and, and it's this thing we fear. Oh, what if I missed the will of God? Oh my goodness, I was supposed to marry Janie and then she said she married Jimmy and now Jimmy is married to my wife and oh my goodness, my life is ruined. Right? And that's how we look at the will of God. And he says, no, 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 that's not the will of God. The scripture says, hey, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Be filled with the spirit. Here he says, the will of God is that you are sanctified. See, God is concerned, especially young people, listen to me, more about who you are than where you are. If, if you're like, should I go to Alaska? Should I go to Canada? Should I go to Texas? Should I? Don't worry about Alaska, Texas, Canada. Worry about being the person that God wants you to be and then he'll get you to Alaska. All right, he does it all the time. You see it in, in, in the book of Acts where the, Philip is like, beam me up Scottied. I mean, literally it's the first teleportation Star Trek in the Bible where he just appears and there's this, there's this Ethiopian eunuch. And as soon as he shares the gospel, he beams him back up, Scotty, and he goes somewhere else. All right, that's in essence, when you're the person God wants you to do, he'll beam you to Alaska. Now he might use JetBlue or something, but he's gonna get you there, okay? So be the person God wants you to be. Don't worry about the place and then he'll get you there. But he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's a fancy theological word that basically just means holiness that you right now are holy. There's a past holiness that we have called justification, that by faith we are justified by God and we have peace with God. And so that we are now declared righteous. That happens at the moment you put your faith in Christ. It's called justification, fancy word. And then one day when Jesus comes back, we're gonna be glorification. We're gonna have glorified bodies. And so and John says, hey, we, we're not, we are children of God now, but we're not what we're gonna be. When he appears, we will be like him. That's when glorification takes place, right? That's a final stamp, new body, forever and ever, perfect. But the middle point right here between justification, 
glorification is sanctification, where God right now, 2 Corinthians 3, is transforming you into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That he's making you more like Jesus by the Spirit. That you are becoming more and more holy in your life, that you're reflecting God. And there is a way with your sexuality to be pleasing to God and to be holy. And you say, how is that? Well, I think number one is that you stop talking about it as no, 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 bad, 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 no, 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 bad. And you start seeing it for what it is. It is a gift and it is good. I mean, God is, when we talk about it like that, what is that, what perception does the world have of God? Because the world's saying, yes, 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 yes. We're saying, no, 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 no. The world's saying, good, 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 good. We're saying, bad, bad, bad. So what do they think about our God who is the author of this deal? He's just anti-good. He's anti-sex. He's anti-fun. He's anti-pleasure. He's anti-enjoyment. God is boring. And what we're saying as Christians is, we don't like sex. We like hymns. We, well, so that's what we do. We just like hymns. That's how we are. That's how we roll. Oh, yeah, that makes God look great, right? It, it, it's a false perception. God has written a whole book, y'all, in the Old Testament about the romantic love between a husband and a wife. It's called the Song of Solomon. It is not a book about Jesus and his church. That would be way weird if it was, okay? He, he tells us in the Proverbs, he gives the commands, enjoy Delight in, the, in, the, in your wife of your, of your youth. Be intoxicated with her love. Now that's a command some of you men can get behind. You don't do anything else I say, but you can do that one. <laughs> so does that sound like a God who is anti-sex? He's commanding it. Who 1 Corinthians 7 says, husband and wife, you need to come together. Right? That's, so, so let's stop talking about it as negative and see what he says. Okay, you go back to the beginning. This is his creation, Genesis chapter two. Adam has been created and, and Eve was created later, but it's all on the same day. And I love the words here. So God creates Eve from Adam's rib and, and he wakes up and, and he brings Eve to Adam. And he's like, look at the words, I love it. He's like, at last. It's been like an hour. This is at last, my, I mean, he's looking around and there's two dogs and there's two cats and there's two hippos, there's two giraffes and he's like, well, so depressed. And it's like, oh, at last. But it says, she shall be called woman. She's taken out a man. Therefore a man and, and, and should leave his father and mother. They don't have a father and mother yet, right? But that's for us. They leave their families. They become one families. They hold fast and they shall become what? One flesh. The church always uses that and say, yeah, well, that's spiritual. Yes, it is. But it is also physical. We like the spiritual because we like, no, 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 no. That is a very physical thing. How do I know? Because the man is naked and he's not ashamed. All right, why does he say that? So what happens immediately is they come together physically. And it's, this is by design. This is pre-sin. God is not like, oh my goodness, what, what are they doing? Oh my, well, Adam, that's not what happened. This is not a shock to him. This is the design. Okay, he designed it that way for, for several purposes. One is children. It's not just children, by the way, although some for a thousand years, the church was telling people, oh, bad, 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 bad. But I guess we got to have kids because we need to have a human race. So, 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 but that's, it's one purpose. That's not the only purpose. That's just one. The second purpose is pleasure and enjoyment. If he didn't want it to be pleasure and enjoyment, he, couldn't, he wouldn't have made it that way. But it is. And that's on purpose. Why? Because God is for your joy. And then there's a third reason. There's kids, there's, there's enjoyment. But the third reason, and this is the big one we want to talk about, is intimacy. That God has given sex as, as, a, as a fulfillment of a desire that we all have intimacy. And this is, this is a huge piece now, sex is not intimacy. It's a subcategory of it. We don't have to have sex. We have to have intimacy. If we did, then there wouldn't be singleness and the gift of singleness. And Jesus was single. And the apostle Paul was single. So it's not that we, ha we all need intimacy, but sex is a, is a subcategory. It's a part of intimacy and it's designed to bring oneness. They two became one. Became one. 
That's, that's, that's one of the main purposes. And the problem is that men, when you hear intimacy, you think sex. And the way men you hear intimacy, you think connection, closeness. It's because the way God's wired you, you are one of two different playbooks here, which is part of the adventure of marriage. And that's the good, that's the fun, right? It's why, you know, you go to the, the store and there's these magazines and, 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 and it says how to make your man do 17, you know, whatever, whatever. It's not men buying those books. I, I can promise you. It's women. And it's not that they're interested in that. It's just they're interested in what that can be. If I do that, then he'll care about me. And I, and I can get love. Right? And I can feel... Uh, and, and both people are coming from intimacy at a different angle. Right? Men lead with their body. Women lead with their heart. Men, sex is the path to intimacy. For a woman, it's the culmination of intimacy. And that's the adventure of marriage, by the way. Right? That, that's, that's the joy you get to experience it together. Um, but, but understand, it's all rooted in the need for intimacy. And that's how God created it. He created sex. He gave it a, as a gift for long-term sexual fulfillment and intimacy, and it's good. And it only flourishes the way it was created to. It only flourishes inside the covenant of marriage and commitment. They leave father and mother. They become one, and, and, and there's no shame He's not going anywhere. She's not going there. He may put on 10 pounds and grow hair in his nose and she may get some wrinkles on her eyes, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going anywhere. Covenant. It's, it's marriage. That's where it's designed to flourish, right? Because this type of intimacy, y'all, it's so powerful. It, it, it's, it's so deep. It's only safe in that context. Is it still powerful and pleasurable outside of that context? Absolutely. But outside that context, it can't last. It'll destroy you, right? It, it, it will tear you up. And so the way it is holy is inside the context of one man, one woman, covenant for life, marriage. There it flourishes. There, it, there it's good. It's best. There is, there's where God says, this is what I've created it for. To build an intimacy that's not just, just, not just you know, passion for a little bit, that builds 30, 40, 50 years. I still, I still love. I'm deeper in love now than I was when I was 22. That's what it's designed for, right? That's what honors God. And we need to start thinking about it in that way, church. We need to start talking about it in that way, church. And we need to start teaching our kids at that in that way. And, and, and understand, this is your, for your delight, and understand, you got to teach your kids. It is normal for your 15-year-old boy to like girls. Don't tell him, no, 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 bad, 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 bad. No, don't like girls, don't like girls. No, it's normal. It's good. I mean, he wants to get his, you know, body spray axe. That, that may be a little obsessive, but that is the right. You want him to have that desire. It is a good thing. Now, it needs to be channeled. It needs to be taught, right? It needs to be trained in a biblical way, but it's, it is a normative thing. God has given him the desire in his heart to be attracted. And, and girls, your 15-year-old girl, she has a desire to be seen and to be pretty, right? To, to be loved and be cared for. Now, you have to channel that. You have to be careful because that, ladies, you can use that as a powerful tool in dressing in an inappropriate manner to get what you want, think is going to be valued. And in the end, it's going to be empty. So you got to channel it. But is it a good, it's a good desire that God has given, right? It's good. Parents, right? If you're a teenager, high school or especially middle school, put your fingers in your ears real quick. You don't want to hear this. I'm serious. You don't want to hear it, but you want to put them in right now. All right. I warned you. Parents of teenagers, elementary kids, you need to be cultivating sex in your relationship. See all the teenagers like, ah, yeah. now you're like that, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Here's why. Because in 10 years, they're gonna be gone. It's just gonna be you and your spouse. And if you're gonna blow off that potential for intimacy for 18, 20 years, this is why after 25 years of marriage, people, people divorce, because it's been all about the kids, all about the kids, all just keeping this together as kids, and then parents... They're, they're not, they haven't been intimate. They don't physically, mentally, any, and any, spiritually in any way. It's important. You need to schedule time. And you're like, that's kind of weird. All the parents with kids, 
Young kids know what I mean by scheduled time. All the newlyweds are like, that's so unromantic. Yeah, you wait 10 years and you come back and talk to me, okay? <laughs> just, just, I'm just telling you. But you need to be purposeful. And if, if this is not, this is commanded in scripture, 1 Corinthians 7. And I understand there's plenty of, I know there's been hurt, there's been abuse, and, and there's been pornography and all these things. So don't hear that I'm saying, you just need to listen to your husbands. And that's not what I'm saying, ladies. But what I am saying it is normative and good for couples to celebrate this regularly. And if they're not doing it, if there's not a physical issue going on, then, then, then we need to talk. And you need to come talk to us because we would love to walk through this with you and help you, whatever's been going on there. And that's why we're here. But understand it is good. And I want you to go there. I want you to first, when, you, when we talk about these areas, I don't want you to go to guilt. I want you to go to good, gift, positive, joy, celebrate, pleasing. Because it is. It is. But there is a side that is not good. So let's talk about that because he tells us. He says, this is the will of God, your holiness, your sanctification. What, what is the negative side? What is the not pleasing side? That you abstain from sexual immorality. What is the negative is sexual immorality. Because anything outside marriage, covenant, is an abuse of intimacy. Is it still fun? Is it still passionate? Absolutely. Is it dangerous? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Because it's an abuse of intimacy. It promises this fulfilling thing, but it's never enough. And it's hollow and it's fraudulent and it will not flourish. And here's what immorality is. And I'm going to use a very clear definition. And I'm using my words very, I'm not just kind of off the cuff. So listen to them. I don't have time to unpack it, but here's what immorality is. Here's what porneia, that's the word for immorality that he uses there. It's a generic, generalized term in the New Testament. And it means this, any and all sexual fulfillment outside the relationship of one man and one woman committed for a lifetime, i.e. marriage. Again, any or all sexual fulfillment outside the relationship of one man and one woman committed to each other in marriage for a lifetime. Anything outside that is considered immorality. It's an abuse of intimacy. And what the enemy has done is what he does with everything that God creates is good. He takes it, he just quarter turns it a little bit. He takes what is good, twists it a little bit and makes it bad. And he does it with everything. He does it with money. Money is not evil. It's the love of money. It's just a little twist. Work, work is good, but work can become evil if I'm a workaholic. Food, food is good, but I can be obese. I can be a glutton. He twists it, right? Um, all the relationships, relationships are good. A little twist, they become my idol. Sex created good. Let's just twist it a little bit. It becomes bad. And that's what he's done. And all the church has done, and hasn't helped talk about good. What we have done is fear monger, right? Bad, 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 bad. Oh, we go to our teenagers. Bad, 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 bad. You know, it's all fun and games. So someone gets herpes. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Better watch out. You're going to get STD. And that may happen. I'm not saying that's not a reality. And the scary thing is you read the stats, by the way, in high school on STDs, staggering. I thought condoms in schools were supposed to help. Guess not. But, but here's the thing. Young folks, just listen to me. And, and not, you, you married folks, grandparents, you can listen to me too. But this is directed at the young singles who want to get married. It's sex before marriage is not wrong because it's not fun. It is. It's not pleasurable. It is. It's wrong because it is intimacy before commitment. It's not safe. It's intimacy before commitment. And so ladies, you think you're going to be able to keep that guy. If I just do what he wants, then he'll marry me. I can promise you the statistics teach that that will not happen. Most of the time. We're just going to live together and eventually he'll marry me. It, 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 maybe you're the rarity, but it's not the norm. So why should he marry you if he's already get the benefits of marriage? It's, it's, I mean, I'll dress in a certain way and I'll get a certain attention. It'll make me feel good. It'll be hollow. I mean, it feels good for a while. It'll be hollow. It just will. Guys, you think, you think that uh, the images that you inflame your soul with uh, and then how you gratify other people, like looking at women and, and treating other women, you think that that will not impact your future when you finally do get married to that sweet gal that you met at CBC? All right? 
You think it won't impact that. I promise you there's a cost. There's a cost to this hookup culture. I'm telling you. These friends with benefits. That's why the way we date, we talked about dating so much in Ruth and it was on purpose. Go back and listen to Ruth again if you haven't. We talked about it on purpose because the way we date is the way we marry. And if you want the way the world's marriages are going, then date the way the world does. I'm just telling you. But I don't think they're doing so well. And I can tell you, if I had a dollar for every couple that came in for counseling that, that in this area really struggled before marriage and unrepentantly, I'm not talking about they actually were wrestling, they just kind of gave in and, and they did that. I, I could, if I had a dollar for every couple that, was, that, was, that disobeyed God before marriage and afterwards had problems, I'm telling you, it's, it's prevalent. It's because intimacy came before commitment. And I'm telling you this because I care about you and I love you. But every time you express desires outside of marriage in an illegitimate way, you are actually creating barriers in your own marriage you're going to have to overcome every time. I'm telling you. Every time you are creating death where there's supposed to be life. And you could wreck the intimacy that you so desire and want 40, 50, 60 years if you are not careful. And I'm not saying you're done. Oh, I've already ruined it, Bill. That's not what I'm saying. But if you continue in this path and you just blow me off and say, I don't care about the authority, that is the direction you're headed. Because God is trying to protect you from the hollowness of pornography that feels great for a moment. And this is not just a guy issue, by the way. This is a very girl issue now. It wasn't 20 years ago. It is today. But there is a hollowness after looking at porn that you feel, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, those of you who are in it, that, that the reason it's hollow is because it's a false intimacy. Going to the strip club, it's exciting in the moment, but the reason you feel so guilty and hollow afterwards, it's because it's a false intimacy. Chatting with your old boyfriend in high school on Facebook, thinking, oh, he's so much better than my husband. When we were 17, he was such a good dude. It's a hollowness. It's gonna lead to hollowness. It's gonna destroy. Because there's something deeper. All behind this is all about, about something deeper. That's why Chesterton, Chesterton, 100 years ago, says every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. You may not know it, but that's what he's looking for. And so there is a way that is holy and there's a way that's not. There's a way that's pleasing, the way that's not. And the way that is holy is to, is to celebrate it in marriage and then to abstain from sexual immorality. The word abstain means abstain. It means get away, stay away, run away. No, zero tolerance. Because this is what we do in the church now. This is how we handle it though. All right, there it is. There's pornography, there's adultery, there's hookup culture, right? And what we do is, how close can I get to the chair without being in the chair? <laughs> Not in the chair. I'm a good legalist. Not in the chair. Not in the chair. Not in the chair. But eventually we're sitting in the chair Eventually, you're on. You, the longer you linger, the, I'm telling you, you're going to be sitting in the chair. So he says, abstain. I kind of like sitting down preaching. <laughs> now I know why these guys all sit down. Now this is great, you know. He says, abstain. And the idea of abstain is, I'm staying as far away from that as possible. Because that promises so much, but it's death. It'll lead to the destruction of my soul, right? And the only difference, y'all, the only difference, in, not to be crass, but the only difference between Anthony Weiner and the average Joe is he has made decisions further down the line where he is now sitting in the chair. That's the only difference. The only difference from these people that ca caught in these stings and these, this, this wife who's having an affair with a guy, and the, the only difference is decisions they have made to get close or get in the chair. That's the only difference because we all have that potential. And the minute you say, well, I would never do that, to him who thinks he stand, you better take heed lest you fall. Because the most godly worshiper who ever walked the earth besides Jesus himself, David, fell. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, fell. The strongest physical man ever lived, Samson, fell. All right? So don't think you're above this. That's why you abstain. That's why questions young folks like, well, how far is too far? First base, second base? I don't even know if they use bases anymore. They use in the 80s. 80s and the bases, right? <laughs> Third base, what's good, for, what's good for us? And the answer is, you're not on a team, so don't get in the stadium. 
Now, when you're on a team, it's like play ball, right? You're not on a team. You're not married. Get out of the stadium. You can do parking duty. (laughs) And the reason why is not because we're legalists. The reason why is all those bases, God created those too. He wasn't like, yeah, I didn't know about that. I figured they figured that out later. He created all those as pathways to intimacy. It's like the on-ramp to intimacy. And and, and most people, most states know how to drive on an on-ramp. Georgia doesn't know how to drive on an (laughs) on-ramp. But because what you do is you try to get on 516 and some, some guy that never went to driving class goes down and slams on his brakes thinking it's a stop sign. No, the purpose of an on-ramp is to get up to 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, right? So that you can go and merge. It's not so you slam on the brakes. That's all the bases. The purpose is not for you to get the second base and slam on brake. Someone dies when that happens. Okay? And eventually you're gonna go beyond. So that's why he says abstain. It's not because he's anti-joy. And some of you are like, well, I'm just burning with passion. Then you need to get married. And I used to say, you need to get a job and get married. And I, and I still think you ought to have a job. But I used to say, you know, get out of college and all these things. Now I've changed my pace because I've seen the struggle that some of you young singles are having. So now I'm like, hey, you're 20 years old, get married. Yeah, you're going to be poor. Who cares? <laughs> Go get married. I, I, you know what? It's better to marry than to burn. And some of you guys are like, oh, there is many, there is many eligible ladies in this church that would make great wives for you. You need to go and start praying and pick one, go bowling, <laughs> whatever. Ladies, you need to be, you know, don't, you're not going to find John Piper in a, in a, as a 25-year-old. Just be patient with some of these dudes. It's marriage sanctifies them, I promise you. <laughs> but look for someone you can, you can grow and serve the Lord with. Get married. I'm all for it. Right? I'm going to fill this place up next summer. Right? Not with kids. I mean, with like couples. <laughs> the nurseries are already full. Okay? We don't need any more help there. All right, we've lost all control of this sermon. And so we abstained. Not because God is anti, but because God is for. And he, we celebrate marriage. And that's good. And that is holy. Right? And here's the thing. Here's some practical things. Yes, some of you need to put some physical parameters on things. Covenant eyes, great. Filters, great. Accountability groups, great. The problem with just rules, though, and putting rules on yourself is it doesn't deal with the deeper issue, which is the heart. So rules are good and parameters are good, but you got to deal with the heart. Because some of you know how to get around your filter. Some of you just go to your community group. Yeah, I did it again. It's okay, brother. And you're just celebrating how you all fail together, right? And so you got to get to the heart of the matter, which is starving the flesh and feeding the soul, right? And so Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, what, hack it off. And he's not telling self-mutilate, but what he's saying is cut it off at the source. So maybe some of you need to break up. Maybe that's just the way it is for right now until you can handle it. Maybe some of you need to go to the flip phone. Maybe some of you don't really need cable despite what you think. All right, uh, whatever it is, it, it's a dramatic thing. Paul says this in Colossians 3. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. Put it to death, kill it, murder it. He, it's a dramatic thing. And then he goes into immorality, passion, evil, desire, all these things that we've been talking about. He says, it's gotta be slain. It's gotta be destroyed. And when you destroy something and when you deny yourself, let me just tell you, just so you know, it hurts and it feels like death because it is death. Because I've been gaining life from this relationship and value and I just ended it and I feel empty. That's because you've been getting life from that instead of that. Or if the images, I've been getting life from these images and I'm not getting life from them anymore. So it feels like death. And that is normal. So understand that. When you make a decision to deny yourself, it feels like death at first. This past week, I, I greatly decreased my sugar. I've been trying to cut sugar out of my, out of my diet. As you can't tell because I'm still all over, but it'll, it'll wear out eventually. And, and so day one was the worst day of my life. Because I opened the fridge and there's a cherry Pepsi right there. And I'm like, oh, I want that. And I was like a heroin addict. I was shaking. And I mean, I'm dreaming for the first two nights of Chips Ahoy. And so 
but, but you know, what's interesting is, you know, and we, well, this office is the worst place ever. We are most evil church because there's candy in every bucket of every room. And so I'm walking by and, and it hurts the first couple of days. And, but the funny thing is, is by Thursday, it's not so bad. Now I still want that. And I had to pour the cherry Pepsi out because I was leaving it there as like my idol, but I poured it out the other night because I'm like, I can't have this in here anymore. But it, it get easier to deny it as I continue to deny. And I don't think sugar's evil, so don't go there. My point is, the more you starve and deny and start eating the healthy stuff, the the less you're gonna feel that pull. It's still gonna be there. But you you gotta have the long view here. If you're like, I'm struggling, you're not necessarily gonna see this huge life change in, in two days. But if you continue to deny here and pursue here, you do that for six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, I promise you, you will be a completely different person in two years. And you'll be like, oh my goodness. And you won't, you won't even remember what that cherry Pepsi tastes like. And if you have it, it's gonna wreck your soul. If I went and drank a cherry Pepsi right now, I'd probably start gagging. I would love it, but I would start throwing up because my body, I've, I'm like, sugar's gone for now. That's the way it'll be. That's, that's spiritually what we're supposed to do, right? And so you, some of you might need to make some decisions. And if you need some encouragement to make some decisions, let me close with this. This is the warnings part. Paul's giving clarity on, this, on the good, this bad, but then he goes into warnings. And, he, and real quick, I don't, I don't wanna fear my God, but he gives several things here. He says, you gotta be aware, you blow me off. You're not blowing me off. You're blowing God off. But here, let's, let's just look what he says. Number one, he said, each of you, you control your body in holiness and honor. That's the good. That's in marriage, but not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles underline it, who don't know God. What he's saying is, if you do not control this area of your life, you are acting like someone who does not know Jesus. You have no real assurance that you're walking with God because if you look like the world, maybe you are of the world. That's what he's saying. Not if you've ever fallen, not if you've ever messed up, but if this is the consistent pattern of your life and you're blowing God off, what he's saying is you don't really know Jesus. That's a strong statement, but it's a huge one. You can tell a lot about what a person believes about God on this area of their life because you can say, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And this is where I'm going. All right, so it's a big piece. Next warning, he says that no one transgress or wrong his brother. I love the phrasing there. And the point is this, that is not your wife. I'm not pointing at anybody in general, so sorry, buddy. Uh, Empty chair right there, empty chair. That is not your wife. So why are you touching her? That is not your husband. Why are you touching him? At someone's mom, at someone's dad. And you got to start seeing it that way. And singles, and I know this is kind of, I don't mean to gross you out, but girls or guys, do you want your future spouse, whoever they are, maybe you don't even know, maybe you're 16, you're gonna meet them at Georgia. Maybe you're gonna meet them and you're 28 in med school. I don't know. But do you want your husband right now slobbering all over some other 17-year-old? I mean, I know that you're like, no, I don't want that. Then, then, then you gotta see that in your own heart too. And it's not that if you failed, you're like, oh, now I can never. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that's a warning to think about that. No, I don't want my husband, you know, shacking up with some girl right now. I don't want my future wife. Exactly. Right, exactly, you don't. So don't be that. It's a warning. And he says, if you blow this off, the Lord is the Avenger and not Captain America Avenger. Although he is the first Avenger, God is, all right? Nobody got that except the Marvel idiots from like me. All right. So he says, he is the avenger. And what he says there is, he's the one that'll deal with this. He's the one who brings justice. Colossians 3, verse 6, I read verse 5. Verse 6 says, on account of these things, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, the wrath of God is coming. Revelation 21, John is very clear. The cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, same word, sorcerers, idolaters, their portion is in the lake of fire. So this is how God feels about it. This is what it deserves. So doesn't mean you can't be forgiven of it, but this is where it's going. So it's, the point is, it's solemn. Look at these. I warned you solemnly. This is serious stuff. He says he warns it. He says, and the reason why was because he called us in holiness. And because you blow this off, it's blowing off God. It's saying, I don't care what you say, God. This is my body. I'll do what I want. He says, fine, that's your body. It's your deal. But there's a way, y'all, and some of you know this, that sexual sin wrecks your soul. It's just guilt, guilt. There's something about it. I mean, you know, lying's bad, pride's bad. All these things are bad. They're all equally sin. But there's something about sexual sin that just makes you 
it just tears you at the core. That's because you cannot reap to the, sow to the flesh and you'll reap from the flesh, right? If you sow to the spirit, you'll, you'll reap from the spirit. But here, here's where we'll close. Because we have, we have clarity, I hope, but we also have redemption. And wherever you're at, just understand this. I don't care if you've messed up a thousand times, you've been divorced 17 times. I don't care if you're shacking up right now with your boyfriend, girlfriend, that there is hope in the gospel. And if you're that person, it's the cycle is there. It's fail, repent, fail, repent. And you just feel like there's no hope. I'll never get out of this. That is a lie that the enemy wants you to stay in that place. But you have a savior. He says, sin will not have dominion over you since you're not under law, but under grace. Why? Because he made him who knew no sin become sin on your behalf so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. Because while we were sinners, immoral, Christ died for us. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And you don't have to be a slave to this anymore. How do I know? Because Jesus died and he rose again. And so wherever you are at, you had the abortion when you're 18. You have the same sex attraction. You were living with this. You do not need to come in here and feel shame and guilt if you have repented and turned from that. You do not need to let the enemy bring you down in that. You can say, you know what? You were right, Satan. I did that. Because this is what he does. He tempts you. And as soon as you fall, he accuses you. That's his modus operandi. That's all he does. Tempt, accuse, tempt, accuse, tempt, accuse. And so you can say, you know what? You were right, but Jesus died for that. So get out of here. And if you feel like you have that, oh, I don't know how to get out of this. This is where you come talk to us. We can get, point you in some great places. And if you feel like you've wrecked your thing and me and my, my fiance, we've already messed up. You are, you're not destined for this lousy sex life, lousy marriage. That's not what I am saying. That God can break down the barriers that you have put up because that is the power of God in you. The God who gives you his Holy Spirit. There is always hope. There is always redemption. You are never too far from the grace of Jesus Christ understand that. Okay. All right. Let's close there. Um, we've picked some songs that just reflect on this, your newness of life, the grace of God. I just, this is a time for you to worship and to in your heart, whatever decision you need to make, whatever direction you need to start taking, that we start taking it. All right. Why don't you stand and we'll sing. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for hope in the gospel. I pray that uh, we would have some clarity. I pray that we would have some fruit in this area in our church and that though we have failed, many of us, that there is hope in redemption in Christ. Um, thank you that we can come, not in our own righteousness, but in Christ. I thank you that he is worthy and he has made us worthy through faith. And for someone who's struggling, for someone who's wrestling, who feels that, Lord, just let them look at the cross and the amazing grace that you have offered us. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.